It's good to be in the house of the Lord. And I have been anticipating this day for several days leading up uh, to this time. And so I'm going to ask you right now, if you would, to bow your heads with me. And I want to ask the Lord to bless these few moments that we have remaining together. Would you pray with me, Father? Lord, I come before you today, and I know what you have dropped into my spirit. I don't know whether to call this a sermon, a message, a talk, but I know that what I have to share today, I feel has been directed by the Lord. We are at a crossroads in our country. We need not only divine direction, but Lord, we need divine intervention. And Lord, I know that you see see us where we are. And so today I pray for that special unction that comes only from you. And I pray that not only would we receive it, but we would receive the word in the right spirit. We would receive this, this message with gladness. And we would once again claim our patriotism. Thank you and praise you for strength that comes from the Lord. We give all glory and honor to you in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. As you heard me in my prayer, thank you, Tony. As you heard me in my prayer, I don't know whether I call this a sermon a message, a motivational speech, or a talk. This is probably different than anything I have normally or traditionally have done. Maybe you're sitting out there and you speculate, you know, I've always kind of wondered how a pastor comes up with a sermon or a message anyway. Well, let me kind of walk you through how I do that. Sometimes they're in prayer, the Lord will drop an inspirational thought, just a thought that comes from the Lord in prayer. And so from there, I just kind of pray and study and search and try to develop a message that has been led. Sometimes there's a need or an issue to address in the local church body. And did you know this? It's the shepherd's calling to share as the leader in those times through Scripture. That does happen. I guess probably the most enjoyable times that I have, the most uh, inspirational times. I can be reading my Bible in daily devotion, and the words from the Bible just kind of leap off the pages into my spirit. And all of a sudden, this thought hits me. Maybe I've never seen this before. And so I just begin to write. I can't write fast enough. I begin to type. I can't type fast enough because I know that I know that I know that it's from the Lord. Yes, it's going to have an introduction. Yes, it's going to have three or four significant points. Yes, it's going to have a conclusion with hopefully a few illustrations mixed in. And then an invitation so that those listening can have an encounter with the Lord. Well, I have no specific scripture text as I normally do. 
oh, I could find some scriptures to kind of force fit into the thoughts to share, but I'd have to be honest with you, that would not be really led of the Spirit. So today I just want to share with you for a few moments that we need to stand for our flag. A phrase came out in the music world, especially the country music world, a few years back, and it was simply this, God, family, and country. I thought about that this week several times, and I realized that when we come to the pulpit week after week with the music team and then uh, music pastor and the team and and then the senior pastor comes and shares, 95% of the time, I would say we're talking about God. And well, we should. I'd say probably about 5% of the time we talk about family. But we don't seem to spend a whole lot of time talking about country. And yet country is important. And nation is important. And freedom is important. Jesus talked once about freedom and made a declaration. He said, he whom the Son, speaking of himself, has set free is free indeed. And today on this Independence Day weekend, I rejoice for a, few, a moment or two that our independence from sin has led us to our dependence upon Jesus. Let me say that again. Our independence from sin has led to our dependence upon Jesus. And furthermore, because of our dependence upon Jesus, we are independent from sin. Praise God. Because I depend upon Jesus, sin does not, sin should not, and by faith I declare sin will not have dominion over me. I am free in Jesus' name. Independence and freedom are intertwined together. Freedom is important. I'll tell you also that nation or country is also important this weekend. I see in Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 34, it says these words, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what the nation is. Some would say, well, maybe all of the Bible is written to the nation of Israel. I beg to differ. I believe that any nation that will put God first and foremost, any nation that will promote righteousness will be a nation that will be exalted by the hand of the Lord. And on the flip side of that, it doesn't matter what the nation is. If a nation is, is bound under sin, it will become a reproach to any people. I read further in Psalms chapter 33 and verse 12. There's a, there's a phrase there that catches my attention. And it says these words, Blessed is the nation whose God is their Lord. Well, praise the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. This is, again, not just talking about the, the nation of Israel, but this is, this is talking about a nation that will promote righteousness. And as we found out last weekend with the city of Nineveh, 
at least 500,000 people strong. When they repented and when they turned from their evil way, God saw their works and changed their mind about the judgment he was planning on sending to them. I've come by to share with you today that freedom is biblical. I've come by to share with you today that nation and country is biblical. And can I tell you, if that is the case, then I declare today with boldness that the gospel and the flag can go together in a message that comes from the throne room of the Lord. Amen. Because the implications is that it's talking about nation and it's talking about freedom. You see, we began in America as a Christian nation, as a country that was under God. Patrick Henry, who was born in Hanover County, the county from where my family moved from to Pulaski. He was a two-time governor in Virginia. He was a statesman known for his passionate declaration, give me liberty or give me death. But what you may not know about something else that Patrick Henry wrote, he, said, he wrote these words, he, can, he said, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was not founded by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religion, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Patrick Henry wrote those words. One of the great statesmen, our forefathers. But then I read also where General Omar Bradley, he wrote a sobering reality for the day that we find ourselves in now. He said, America is running on the momentum of a godly ancestry. And when that momentum runs down, God helps God help us. God help America. It seems like that we were founded with Christian values and virtues, but it seems like even the fumes of those don't seem to exist as they used to. He continued on. Listen to this. This is powerful. He said, we have grasped the mystery of the Adam, but we have rejected the Sermon on the Mount. He said, the world has achieved brilliance, and in the process of achieving brilliance, We've done it without any conscience. He said, ours is a world of nuclear giants, and yet we're ethical infants. I want you to get that in your spirit today. We are nuclear giants. We are wiser or smarter, have more knowledge than we ever have before, and yet we, were, we are at such a morally depraved time than ever in the history of our country. And there's many reasons that, that abound that we need need to awaken and once again not just embrace God and family but also embrace country I'm telling you these flags that are standing in front of you they're about country these flags that are in front of you they are about nation I did some research this week and some information that was shared with me and some research that I did on my own and I want to just walk you through a little bit to give you a, a little bit of perspective that you won't hear in a lot of places. <clears throat> the year was 1813. There was a major by the name of George Armstead. 
Knowing that Fort McHenry was being targeted by the British armies, he told the commander of the Baltimore defenses in July of 1813, he said, we need a flag. We need a big, a very, very big flag. Major Armstead official request went like this. We, sir, are ready at Fort McHenry to defend Baltimore against the invading of the enemy, except we have no suitable ensign to display over the star fort. And it is my desire to have a flag so large that the British will have no difficulty in seeing it from a distance. And so there was a flag that was made, and the flag was huge. It was massive. It literally, the, the first, uh, this flag that flew over Fort McHenry in Baltimore was 30 feet high. In perspective, that's five times taller than your pastor who stands a little over six foot tall. And it was not only uh, uh, 30 feet high, but it was also 42 feet wide. A massive, massive flag that was created. I, I did a little research and found out that the stars on the flag. There were 15 at the time, and those uh, stars were literally two feet in diameter. A two-foot star on that massive uh, size flag, and that flag proudly flew above Fort McHenry, where the early settlers uh, had lived. Well, 14 months later, sure enough, the British came a-calling, and sure enough, they planned on attacking. It was September 13th of 1814. And with American prisoners below deck on these British uh, warships, the British ships began to fire toward Fort McHenry in Baltimore. They were determined that they were going to destroy the American fortress. And while the shelling from the sea to the shore was going on, there was a lawyer by the name of Francis Scott Key who was interested in trying to get negotiate to get one of his friends delivered from Britain. Bondage, and so he boarded the flagship of the British fleet in hopes of persuading the British to release a friend of his who had been arrested. And it was there that Francis Scott Key learned of the pending attack that was going to be upon Baltimore. In fact, the British commander told Francis Scott Key that if they at the fort will lower their flag, the shelling will stop and they can surrender to British rule and command. But as Key went below deck, no doubt, to check on one of his friends, all of the American prisoners down below in, in shackles and chains, they began to ask Key the question, where is the flag from Fort McHenry? And they began to ask the question, is the flag still flying above the ramparts? And Key would look at the men and he would say, men, the flag flag is still flying above Fort McHenry. Well, he goes back above and he's continuing his dialogue with the commander. And the commander of the flagship says to Francis Scott Key, he says,
says we're determined. We're going to capture that American fort. We're determined we're going to destroy that American flag. And we, for the next three hours, are turning all the turrets on every boat out here in the harbor, and they're going to be turned specifically upon the flag itself. That flag has been hit directly already, but I'm telling you, for the next three hours, uh, our ships will target that flag directly. And so all of the guns from all of the British ships in the harbor turned and locked on that 30-foot by 42-foot flag. And yet Key said all he could hear down below was men praying, God, keep the flag flying where we last saw it flying. I'm about to get a shout going on. Oh, God, whatever happens, keep the flag flying. I thought this week how in the world would God answer that prayer. There's shelling going on from the sea. No doubt there's lives that are being destroyed and limbs that are being uh, taken off and, and the barrage of artillery is now intensified and locked in upon that flag for three hours. Well sure enough the flag ended up at a crazy angle. The, the pole was damaged and the flag was tattered from so many hits. It was torn severely but somehow we was still flying above Fort McHenry. And I began to say, well, how is that possible? And you may say, how is that possible when all those British ships were firing us specifically on the flag? Well, let me tell you one reason it was still standing was because inside of the boat of that British ship there were men that were praying for the flag. Can I tell you, let me just stop here and tell you God is still a God that hears and answers prayer. You may think it's insignificant, but God always cares about the deepest things in your heart. But that's not the only thing, the only answer to prayer or how it became possible. But also inside of the fortress itself, men and fathers and husbands and, and individuals held up that flagpole humanly until they died, refusing to let that flag touch the ground. Oh, not only was the flag hit by artillery, but they were hit by artillery. Not only was, uh, they were hit by shrapnel and artillery, and, and, and they would, the, the, the story goes, uh, the history goes that, that, that uh, they would give their, their lives. American men piled on top of American men. Uh, they, would, they would hold it up humanly until they died, refusing, and, and they would come over and they would remove the body of a deceased American, and somebody else would take his place just to make sure the flag kept flying and kept upright and and when and and, and it, it literally came to a place where there was piles of of the bodies of men uh, piled against the flagpole to keep it upright can I tell you today it was bodies of true patriots that held that flag up and let me tell you what happened then that's when Francis Scott Key the lawyer from Baltimore that was there supposedly to negotiate the release of his friend that's when he broke out his pen and he wrote these words oh say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and broad bright stars through the perilous fight or the ramparts we watched were so 
gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glare. The bombs were bursting in air. But they also gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave o'er the land of the free and the home of the brave. Now that is the truth behind the anthem that some are trying to eradicate today. So let me tell you, yes, that flag and yes, those colors, they are spiritual to me. They should be spiritual to everyone in this room, to everyone watching my live stream. Why? Because this flag represents in God we still trust. This flag represents we are one nation under God. Let me tell you, my God helped me preach this morning. Now I feel the preacher that's coming on. My Lord. When I moved those flags this week, I did it as I didn't ask no one to do it. I did it myself. When I moved those flags into the sanctuary this week, it was, a, it was an undertaking when you're going through closed doors. But I was determined I wasn't going to bump into doors. I wasn't going to bang up against walls. And whatever I did in transport from that building to this building, it was ingrained in me. Do not ever allow the flag to touch the floor. Do not lower the flag. I'm telling you, we've got Hollywood stars that are wanting to desecrate the flag. And we have athletes that want to kneel in defiance of the flag. And we have bowed to the political pressures of freedom of speech that now gives people the right to desecrate and even burn that sacred flag. But I've come by to proclaim loud and clear and I won't say it enough. Before this weekend is over, I I stand for my flag. We stand for our flag. These colors don't run, and you can't allow the flag to touch the ground. Is there racism in America? Yes. A resounding yes. Is racism a sin? Yes. Racism is a sin. Do the stars and the stripes on our flag, do they represent the country that we all have the privilege of living in? Yes, yes, and yes. But the two issues of racism and the flag are independently exclusive of each other. There is no connection between the two. I don't know if I'm anointed or angry. But I'll go on record and they can strike me this afternoon from social media and everywhere else it's recorded. But here's my passionate plea. In the sports world, either don't have the national anthem at all 
Or if you're going to have the national anthem, anybody that would protest, why don't you just stay in the locker room until the national anthem is played and honored by the rest of us true American citizens? I want to see, I long to see God heal our country of our differences. And the truth is, it won't happen until the Prince of Peace is in charge. But we do not have to desecrate and disregard the American flag in the process of doing that. Too many lives, too many limbs have been sacrificed at home and abroad for us to allow the colors to touch the ground. We will stand for our flag. Peter Marshall said, the choice before us is plain. Christ or chaos. Conviction or compromise. Discipline or disintegration. He went on to write. He said, I am rather tired of hearing about our rights and privileges as American citizens. He said, the time is come, it is now, when we ought to hear more about our duties and responsibilities as citizens. America's future depends upon her accepting and demonstrating God's government. Like I said, I don't know if that was a sermon or a talk. But we stand we stand for our flag. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. I thank my lucky stars to be living here today. Where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away.
Detroit down to Houston, New York to L.A., where there's pride in every American heart, and it's time we stay. 